I'm John. And I'm Keith. And this is Shad. Science, history, art, and technology. Your somewhat reliable source of information, Keith, for most things. For most things, including John. But not limited to. Hang on, Keith. Don't uh, give it away just yet. Okay. This is only the second Throw podcast they've heard. Already. This is only the second time they've heard it from us. Yes, you heard it right, ladies and gentlemen. Or in case you skipped our last podcast, you heard it right. We did not say flumadiddle. We are like the artist formerly known as Prince, Keith. <laughs> yeah, the artist formerly known as Flumadiddle. Flumadiddle. So, so we are still under the uh, Flumadiddle banner. Yeah, that's, that's our parent high. company, you know. Right, but we, we've outgrown that now. We're moving on. Once you become a multi-billion dollar company, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so we are shat. <clears throat> Because right. that's what we do, Keith. We shout all over everyone with our science, history, that's art, right. and technology. That's right. We like And that's just fun to say. It and is. you know what? Just enjoy that. Just have fun. <laughs> just smile and enjoy it with us, Keith. So anyway, but we're not limited to any one topic. And today we're going to lean towards the history side of things, Keith. So, Keith, I'll yeah. pass that right up to you. Why don't so, you just knock it out of the park for How about us? this, John? Oppenheimer who? Oppenheimer what? How about a guy named Colonel Pash? Yeah, how about this, Boris Fedorovich Pashkovsky? A, a little lesser known element to the Manhattan Project Indeed. that I mean, I think this guy was a real American hero, John, but it, nobody guy. even knows who he was. And so we're going to talk about him and his mission and what he accomplished. And it was part of the Manhattan Project. Yes. So a lot of hype right now about the Manhattan Project with the new Oppenheimer Correct. movie that came out, which I thought was incredibly boring, by the way. But I haven't seen a lot it, of good so information in it. But yeah, um, so, but uh, I know my son wants to see it, so we'll probably see it before long. Yeah, beware of that. I'll, I'll give you some information about that. But anyway, um, so let's start with this, John. So Pandora's box was opened up with the discovery of nuclear fission, John. And since you're the physicist, we'll let you tell it what that is. <laughs> That's the splitting of atoms. Right, absolutely. And the releasing of the energy. Yeah. And now we, today, it's like not a big deal. Of course you can split atoms. But back then, you know, that that was a big deal. That's like uh, science fiction to How them. About a couple hundred years know? ago, nobody even knew what an atom was. Exactly. Never even heard of an atom. More less than that. So anyway, after they did that, that Pandora's box is opened up at that point. They still didn't really know its usefulness, but American scientists actually proved soon after that it could be used as a power. They proved that you could sustain a chain result which means it could be used for a good power or a bad power. A bad and, power. And or and stuff like, hey, what if it starts and never stops? Yeah, they didn't even know. It blows up the whole universe yeah. right then. And that's world. in the Oppenheimer movie, too. It's like talking about, uh, could we actually set Control the atmosphere it. on fire right, doing exactly. this? Uh, and they're, exactly. they're like, it's a slim chance, you know. All right. Um, so I anyway. Like a slim chance. Right. But they they did it anyway, even gotcha. with that slim chance. But anyway. Um, of course they did. So now that the cat's out of the box, it's a race to make sure – your country gets the weapon as fast as possible because you know your enemies are trying as well, right? Okay. And at this time, the enemy was a bad enemy. The enemy right? was a feller named a feller. A you feller. got that word from the south. A feller named Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Who, unfortunately, after World War One, nobody really took seriously. He's just kind of this mouthy little guy. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, over the course of the thirties, mouthy little guy can, can be kind of bad. He ends up taking over, and mm-hmm. bada bang, we've got the fascist entity that is Nazi Germany. So bad that we use him as the epiphany of evil and just about any time we want to say. Like, he's like Hitler. I he's said like epiphany. The, you did. Epitome. That's all right. Evil. 
But I, I told you I got it's my the little word pat- of the day. I, I tell Epiphany. you, this little shout out to my mom. The little patsyisms that I say sometimes. Um, <laughs> I love them, Keith. You wouldn't be you without it. That's so, how you know we, AI didn't do this. Keith. That's right, absolutely. Because we did this. So he he is the epitome of evil, though, John. Like any time right. we say we want to say somebody's evil, we say we call him Hitler, like Hitler. Yeah, that's it. And I mean. They had committed mass genocide, killing over six million Jews. They were a radical cult that come into massive governmental power, and they were hell bent on taking over the entire world. I mean, and if he was successful, he'd be speaking German today, probably, right? And uh, so they were just this fascist dictatorship with a massive war machine and war chest. And I mean, they had not only the means but the motive to develop and use an atomic bomb. Okay, right, and. Um, or at least we thought they had the means, we and they and they really did, John. I mean, there's a little side note on that. If the scientist who was trying to create their bomb had a had had a went away from heavy water and used, I believe it's graphite or graphene that we use. I can't remember to control to sustain the reaction. The reaction, but anyway, if he but he went the route of heavy water, and that little miscalculation really put him way behind. So it was just a little bitty thing that put them behind. And there is some uh, suggestion that some of the scientists working in the atomic program for them were actively trying to undermine it. There was. So that they didn't. And they say he was distracted by a spy, like this little hotty-totty spy that he fell in love with. And even after he knew she was a spy, he still was distracted by her. I guess he was Mm -hmm. really good looking. Um, So anyway, after the scientists proved that it could be developed, and knowing our enemy, President FDR commissioned the building of the atomic bomb. All right. All right. So then we got the Manhattan Project. There now, we got it. Manhattan Project, John, a lot of trial and error, right? Um, when they didn't even know how big to make the magnets that separated uranium two thirty eight from two thirty five. That's one of the things you have to do, right? To to right. isolate that isotope and be able to use it for the nuclear fission. Right. You have to separate it. And so you do that with these magnets. The first time they cut the magnet on, they made it too big. It actually ripped the nails out of the wall. Because, I mean, it's all trial and error. if you're in the path of those nails. I know, right? So, um, but anyway, don't underestimate American ingenuity. They they ended up building the largest building ever to produce uranium, the uranium fuel needed for the bomb. It was, uh, how big was it, John? It was. I believe it's about a half a mile long. About a thousand feet wide, two million square feet. The, the biggest building ever built. That's crazy, for to make the atomic at that bomb. time. Yeah, anyway. at that time. Anyway, right. I I don't know if one's been built bigger. I didn't look that up since then. But anyway, definitely by at that time, two million square feet. That's a big old building. So just in a nutshell, we're not talking a lot about this side of the Manhattan Project no. today. But you can watch movies. You can find out stuff about that. Right. But they did. There's end whole up, cities built for the Manhattan Project. Right. Whole cities built like pretty to, much built up to. Are you talking about to, for, to for do the, the Manhattan? Oh yeah, for yeah. The work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Where else in New Mexico? Mm-hmm. Or, and on a side note, John, yeah, went we're to, somewhat reliable, so don't pay attention. Uh, <laughs> I went to a museum just recently down there in uh, um, Florida. Yes, in Destin Air Force Museum, and they okay. had like a model of like the fat boy and little boy, or fat, fat man, man and, little, and boy. little boy. Yeah, which the little boy was. Um, uranium gun-based bomb, which actually, John, a lot of people don't know this, it never was tested ever until we dropped it. Like just The test was the drop. Mm. Um, we just thought it would work, and it did. Uh, now, the Fat Man was the one that we tested. It was the plutonium um, in, implosion-based bomb. That's the one we tested in the desert. Um, right. So, anyway. Let me just throw something in there in my little side note. Lest anyone think that we're being flippant 
here. We're not whatever you might think about World War II and how it ended. Right. And that it may have ended sooner and may have saved a lot of lives or it may not have. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But yeah. it was one of definitely those bombs dropping on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which, by the way, it was the anniversary of that this week. Right. It was a horrendous thing. It was. It was the whole like World War II, but that was one of the most horrendous 70, things. 70,000 people in like, one. just uh, disintegrated. Close to 150,000 people in both of them. Yeah. So it was a horrendous and terrible yeah. thing. So we're not making light of that as we tell this story. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And like, like, like John said, we don't know if it's good or bad. We can't know. And oh, it's, it's bad. like that. Well, it's bad, but I mean, as I, far as saving lives idea, versus and ending the war versus should we have dropped it, not. should we not have dropped it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's definitely we don't know that today. War in itself is bad. You know, right. it's, that's Absolutely. part of the sinful nature that we have as humans. But what I'm saying is, we don't know if it was the right decision or the wrong decision. We can't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But right. regardless, we do know that the Nazis were trying to get this bomb too. Right. Right. Which we know would have been bad for sure. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, Nazis. Evil Hitler having this thing in, in his possession, you don't want that. And so the second part of the Manhattan Project that we're going to talk about today is actually the Alsace mission. The John, Alsace. Which is actually this this guy, General Pash, what John's about to talk about him, his job was to go and try to stop the German bomb. Right. So we had the one side of it, us building it, but then we had this other side of it, let's stop them from getting it. And that's what the Alsace mission was. So. All right. So they started this up in 1943. But we're going to skip back because this uh, Boris Fedorovich Pashkovsky, who ended up being a colonel in the U.S. military, he was in military intelligence. He was born in San Francisco, 1900. And he lived to be 95 years old, believe it or not. His father, interestingly enough, Theodore Pashkovsky, was a Russian Orthodox priest. So this is where things get kind of foggy. There's some there's some old papers we managed to find out out there, and I ended up including it because I found some what I think is a reliable resource that this some of this next part might be so because there's not a lot of early stuff about him, but it suggests that his family actually went back to Russia in maybe about 1913. Yeah, some suggest even that he fought in the Russian army. Oh, wow. as a 16 year old. Others say he went to seminary while he was over in Russia at about 18. But we do know this for sure. We know that in just at the end of World War One, he was a part of the American Expeditionary Force right. in Siberia. And so we, that's what I was going to ask you, John. Is like what led up to him having the credentials, you know, to to be the the leader of this mission. Well, that's where we're getting. This yeah. is it. This is the start right here. Yeah, he's part of that Russian Expeditionary Force, and part of what they're doing in the Alsace mission. The main thing is. Ultimately, you may find out that they're not so much stopping something as they're trying to gather intelligence and f- have intelligence and scientists from falling into Soviet hands. Right. So they need somebody who's really got a lot of experience in military intelligence, counterintelligence, and that's where Boris comes in. So he's with the American Expeditionary Force in Siberia, which uh, was the first time American soldiers basically had gone to fight for another country on foreign soil. So okay. he's over there fighting against the Bolsheviks in what we now know as the Russian Revolution, the Communist Revolution. So he was doing counterintelligence and insurgency stuff way back then. All those years later, he's back. He's He joins the uh, reserves and the military. And in 1940, after after years of going to college, working in uh, at Springfield College, I think one thing even suggested, a New York Times article suggested he might have been a high school football coach at one time even. Oh wow! So interestingly enough, though he became he got into active duty in 1940, 
and because of his previous experience, he became the chief of counterintelligence in the Presidio in San Francisco. Oh, okay. So after that, a year later, we joined World War II. So initially, where Pash comes in is he was tasked with investigating security breaches at the Manhattan Project's Berkeley Radiation Laboratory. So that's the big Berkeley College, the University of Cal at Berkeley. So they're making sure... Hey, who's here? Who? What counterintelligence? Are there Russians? Because he's a Russian, right? Boris Fedorovich Pashkovsky. But in the in the twenties, he changed his last name to Pash, so he yeah. kind of lets that Russian sound go. But he is staunchly anti-communist because of fighting against the Bolsheviks, and he wants to make sure that nobody's creeping into the radiation laboratory because they suspected that Soviet spies were stealing atomic information. Yeah, and in the movie Oppenheimer, he was very strict. He was played by Casey Affleck. Yeah, I heard about Affleck, that part. Yeah. And uh, he um, very strict, you know, like you saw about, like very anti-communist. So if no, you had like any so. kind of past, you know, that right. suggested that you're he ain't gonna pass your security clearance, you know. So so because of that, basically the work he had done at the Presidio and with the Berkeley Radiation Laboratory, he was summoned by our next guy that you're gonna pick up with that heads this whole thing up, Major General Leslie Groves, who placed him in charge of organizing and directing this Alsace mission to investigate Nazi Germany's atomic program, right. And so Groves was kind of over this whole thing, but he put Pash as the guy over it. He's so the he's guy on the ground. starting it, yeah. Yeah, Pash is the guy on the ground. Um, so um, actually, Ossos is the Greek word for Grove. For Grove. Yeah. Which they, like a, there was like some a concern there. Yeah. They was concerned like, hey, this is my name here. But then he thought it would right. be too weird if he changed it. He thought it. it would bring even more attention to it if, if he, he changed, changed it. it. Yeah. So people would have looked like, wait, why did they change that name? You know, and then brought more attention to it. So, so we're in December of 1943 now, Keith, when yep. Alsace starts up in earnest. Absolutely. December 1943. Um, so the war's, you know, halfway through it's, at least, it's kind of coming to a close before too long. They got what a couple years left, maybe. Well, maybe a year at this or two point, left? at this point, the U.S. or Allied forces have gone into Italy. Yeah, they're in France, right? So, no, they're not in France yet. We're not near France. Well, yet. okay, that's the first place Pash went. Nope, he was in Algiers. Algiers, Italy. Algiers is North Africa, and yeah. then he's going into Italy. Okay, like when we invaded, so the Allied forces have invaded Italy, and it was only two days before D-Day that they finally made it to Rome. So okay. at this time when this starts, the Allied forces are in Italy trying to push up through Italy and, and then ultimately into, into France, France. and okay. over into Germany. So it kind of followed those front lines. And his story He's kinda, following the front line literally. Yes, literally. And his story kind of begins in France. He's, he's pushed through into France with them. They haven't done a lot at that point. But what the first thing they did when they got into France was they got some information about it. Can I throw uh, one thing yeah, in there? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll stop. Never mind. That's okay. He, he he gets to Rome, like before we get to France. It's not too long after that. Yeah. But once they've got out of Algiers, they're up through into Rome now. Finally. Yeah. There's an Alsace group in Britain, right? And an Alsace group on the ground now in Rome. Yeah, I knew they went to Africa before they went to Italy. Italy. Right. So now they're in Rome, and the folks in Britain are like, man, like Germany's got radioactive weapons. This is, we got to do something. And the folks, including Pash, who are in Rome, they're not hearing that. They're hearing, like, they're years off. They don't have anything. So they're getting two totally different stories. Right. And that's why it's kind of uninteresting until they get to Paris. Because, in all honesty, they go over there expecting to find 
that the Germans are about to create atomic bomb. Right. That's what they expect. Exactly. But then they get over there and they realize that they're not even really that close and it's not a big deal. But now, John, we will get into this a little bit. They're 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 not close, but any little bitty thing could have made them close. Right. And so that that's that's what Pash realizes that even though they're not necessarily as close as they thought, it's still a big deal. Right. And they still could easily invent the atomic bomb before the war's over. So So now they're headed into France. So they go into France and so this kind of their first real mission thing happens and that's they get information um, about this cat named Frederic Joliot Curie. Okay? Curie. Curie. There you go. And I think uh, John's looking up now, see if he's related to. He's Mad- got to be related to Madame Curie. Curie. Yeah. See, we ought to have. Well, I already. Have, I did not look that up. That I don't know, it, but I did think about it when I heard that name, and uh, she is one of the ones who um, helped discover the fission. Right? Is that right? No, she. I no. She, she did, did a lot, lot of work radi- with radiation. radiation. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, they literally engaged with the enemy through this, though, in order to get to this guy. I don't want to to forget that part because. You think about Pash and his group, like, oh, they're just counterintelligence. They're just, they're just, you know, going over and researching stuff. No, I mean, they were in gun battles to get to these places that they had to go to. They were There was still war going on. Even though they were kind of behind the front lines, you got to think the front lines ain't the only lines, right? There's second lines and third lines and fourth lines, you know? And so, like, they're still engaged in battle to get to these places that they right. want to go to. All-out gunfights. I mean, oh, yeah. When he rode over into there Paris, he in was the one of the first Jeeps that went into Paris. Yes, when the absolutely. Russians, or so, not the Russians. The Germans are still there. Okay. He was Madame Curie's assistant and fell in love with her daughter. So he was her son-in-law. Oh, okay. So did he take her name? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I guess she was famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, they finally tracked down this guy, and they captured him, French physicist Frédéric Julio Curie. Curie. And he, John, provided some crucial, crucial information on the Nazi atomic program. Most crucially was the names of the other scientists they needed to hunt exactly. down. Exactly. They knew, hey, these scientists are going to be asking this cat something. He knows something. Right. I bet we can find some names. So Come on, man, spill it. Yeah, exactly. Come on, spill it. So that kind of made the mission continue on. You know, it's kind of like, well, they have to build this mission as it goes. They don't really have the information. And so it's an interrogation, get information, go to the next league kind of thing. Right, exactly. And so they've got these names of the ones they needed to hunt down. Now, the next thing they actually accomplished, John, before they found any more scientists was through um, his information, they also found some different plutonium uh, places, places. yeah, Belgium, I think, is where most of the uranium yeah, stuff yeah. came from. Uh, yeah, uranium. I said plutonium, which is a, a version of, of, of cooked down uranium, right? Gotcha, but, right. Uh, anyway, gotcha, uh, gotcha. they found the uranium stores uh, based on the information they got from this guy. And so, John, you know, if people wonder if his mission was important or not, right there, when they find these stores of uranium, what do they do with them? Well, send them back, pack them up, and send them out. Yeah, well, they pack them up, and send them back to America, right? Exactly. Because what do we need over there for the other part of the Manhattan Project? Uranium. I mean, the reason why it takes two years to make a bomb is because it takes a while finding to, to finding enough uranium. And so, um, a lot of people say, excuse me, that not that he probably did not find enough uranium to actually make a bomb, but they're not sure that we would have had enough uranium to make a bomb 
if he hadn't have found these stores. Right. So it wasn't enough itself to make a bomb, but we may not have had enough to drop the bomb when we did if he hadn't have found these. So the, it, he was also actually very important in the, on the other side of the Manhattan Project. All right. So, John, they continued to capture these scientists and discover the location of the ultimate prize. Who was that? Heisenberg. Heisenberg. Yeah, man, he was From on Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> he wore pork pie hats. That's right. A like failed pork pie hat, right. And um, so anyway, they, they knew exactly where he was. They wanted to go find him. And he moved around a lot, and they had to figure out where he was at. But he was the ultimate prize. right? Heisenberg was the scientist who could get this done if anybody could. Right. He right. was the main atomic dude. Yeah. He was their prize atomic physicist. Now, it would be more than a year before Pash could get close enough to this guy because between him and Heisenberg was the entire German army and months and months of fighting. Yeah, some, a little something called the Battle of the Bulls. Yeah. Everybody thought the Germans didn't have the power, didn't have the resources to mount a major offensive, and then 1944 happens. Right. Absolutely. In Germany. And I actually so, had a patient one time who was in the Battle of the Bulge. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, he had some neat old cards sent from the front lines, Christmas cards from back in 1944. Oh, wow, that's neat. Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably wasn't neat for him. but No. Yeah. <laughs> you actually met us, some of his family one time. Okay. We'll talk about that you. later, though. We can't give away any Right, no, we can't talk about that. But, um, but it's neat. So, anyway, soon before the war was over, though, they finally reached their uh, final destination. But not far from their target, they actually found a fully functional nuclear laboratory that was outfitted, John, with a nuclear test reactor. Um, but it was kind of empty. Like, all the higher-up scientists' stuff were gone. They wasn't right. found. So they dismantled it, and they got rid of everything, sent it back to America, whatever. Yeah, it started with an H. I forget what it is. Heigen something, something. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway. You can look it up. Research it. He was determined, though, even though they weren't there, to go hunt them down and find them. And so he goes out, and he hunts down these different scientists, and he finds them. Um during that time, he he they were in fighting with the civilians of that area. They the uh, the youth. How do you say it, John? Werewolf. The werewolves. Yeah, some Which Nazi is, zealot teenage idiots or something. Right. Basically, it's like Nazi like that. youths that were you know zealots and they, they were uh, going off the deep end. And so they actually were a pretty scary fighting force. I mean, they called themselves the werewolves. You know, they tried to live by it, and they uh, they actually made it pretty hard for Pash and his men. They um, sabotaged the bridge that would get to the Bulgarian, the Bavarian Alps. Is that the uh, Bavarian? Ain't that some type Bavarian. of Bavarian? Bavarian. The Bavarian. Alps are a lot of places. Ain't that some kind of pudding or something like that? Bavarian. Bavarian cream Chocolate pies. Chocolate Bavarian. Yeah, like yeah. A, with the Bavarian cream. Heck yeah. Like a, From a Stevie B's and has the... Bavarian chocolate, Bavarian <laughs> dessert pizza. Catherine's has oh, the chocolate so covered good. cream filled donuts. Yeah, Bavarian. Yeah, different Alps, yeah. different cream, but you know. So that's same where. Name. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if it came from there, but if it did, that's awesome. Keep in mind, Keith. Let me just throw this out. Mm -hmm. All during this time, you know, the Allied forces are pushing into Germany. Into '44, you've got the Battle of the Bulge, one of the worst wars, one of the worst battles of the whole. Like that side of the war, not Pacific right. side, but the European side. And so all through this time, whatever they think, they've kind of realized 
well, there's really, maybe they don't. I don't think they really have this stuff, or they're not that close. Maybe they're a few years apart. But then they but, keep finding the stuff. But like they the find little pieces of stuff. And the uranium stores. And but there's also a lot of propaganda. Right. Hitler's still howling and going on about these new planes and tanks and the these new fighting. weapons that he's going to release. Yeah. And so the propaganda is still out, like there's still something. Yeah, he called it the wonder weapon. Yeah. So it's just going. So they're like, well, does he, doesn't he, does he? Oh, it was still what? a big possibility. They had no idea for real, for sure. I mean, and you got one of the, the best physicists in the world on their side. You got uranium stores. You know, you got this nuclear laboratory. I mean, if they didn't have it, they could have had it with just one little discovery, you know. And so it was definitely a big a big deal. And then Pash knew that. He knew that his mission was important and he had to continue on. So anyway, these uh, – these werewolves, they um, destroyed the bridge, and so they had to continue on with on foot, John. All right. Um, so they actually – he took ten men, and he found nine more on the way that was on, like, some other kind of mission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they had two armored cars and two Jeeps. They couldn't take the armored cars and Jeeps any further because the bridge was down. Um, but the, Heisenberg was just too much of a danger not to see this through, so they continued on foot. Um, that group ended up having to go off and continue their mission. Right. And so it ended up being just seven dudes with Pash. Seven yeah, guys going up into these Alps with like all the these Germans seven. up there, right, and trying to capture this guy. So they got up there, and they got into a uh, actual firefight, and they were able to push people, the, the German forces, back, John, but they, but they weren't able to get close enough to capture Heisenberg at that point. So they pushed him back. They pushed the forces back and were able to survive it, you know, and they ended up with seven guys. Now, here's what they feared, okay? They wasn't able to capture him yet. They've engaged with these German forces. Here's the fear. Okay, one of these forces goes and they get reinforcements. Right. And his worst fears came true, John. It happened. They went and got 700 SS soldiers, which were the baddest of the bad of the German forces, right? And, and the wickedest, evilest of the evil. So one of his men reported back that a German general and 700 SS forces uh, soldiers were coming back, and he wanted to meet with Pash. Okay. I don't know if I like that meeting. No, no, I don't think I don't know if I'd want to go to it. Right. Right. So here's what happened, though. Those German force, forces had actually heard of the firefight that they were in. They thought their, that the American forces were bigger than they, what they were. Right. Plus, they got word that Hitler had committed suicide. Hitler's suicide. So they're kind of like, is this war over? You know, do we want to keep fighting? You know what I mean? So um, so he, the general just said, well, let's meet with this Pash guy and let's talk things out. All right. So here's what happened, man. Pash. You got to BS him, man. Pash, the, the guy wanted to surrender. Pash kind of led him to believe that his forces were huge. You know, he, he just had did to a little out bit of those BS. uranium kahunis. Right. He had to throw a little flummadiddle in there, didn't right. he, John? Right, he sure did. And so, anyway, he flummadiddled them real good and made, made him believe that his forces were huge. He had a bunch of men behind him. And so the guy's like, okay, we'll surrender. Well, Pash didn't accept his surrender because he thought, if I accept his surrender now, he's going to figure out know. that we got seven dudes. Right. You know? <laughs> that would be bad. And, and so he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to go wake up my general tonight for your surrender. 
you know, you're going to do it on our terms, you know? And so, right. So I'll come back in the morning and you can surrender then, you know? So then they left and then Pash and his men scrambled through the night to try to find forces. And uh, they did, they were able to secure a full size infantry and the whole infantry and Pash come back. And also part of that was being able to have these engineers rebuild that bridge overnight there you go which is crazy you're talking about american ingenuity right there they say nails as they're going yeah they say as the first uh you know vehicle was rolling over the last nail was being driven in uh, driven in you know so um so they built that bridge real quick they get the infantry over there and they they storm this place so when day broke he returned with the infantry and the germans surrendered their forces john a little bit of who doing you know put some serious hoodoo on him key and all right so then he's still got to capture heisenberg all right and so he goes in he makes a beeline to heisenberg's cabin and he busts through the door which was actually just unlocked mm. and heisenberg's sitting there with ak-47 tries to take them all out right john nope keith you know what he says what i've been expecting you with his bags packed with his bags packed ready to go yeah he's probably glad he ain't going back with the with the German probably right, here's yeah. what all this is going exactly. on exactly yeah and so they finally got their their prize nuclear physicist and uh, now the threat of a Nazi nuclear program has been nullified okay now here's what's crazy John they told the German scientists that were in custody because they rounded up all those scientists and Heisenberg was like yeah. the last one and so when they told those German scientists that were in custody that they had dropped the A-bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they didn't believe them. You know what they said? You bunch of country bumpkins, y'all can't make crap like that. Yeah. We're the Germans. We're the brilliant technologists. Yeah, they didn't believe that America had the capabilities or the know-how to do it. Right. Especially couldn't, no way they could have beat them to it. Right, you know? exactly. And uh, so they didn't believe them. They had to to hear about it and see it for themselves in order to, to believe it. Um, they just couldn't believe that the Americans had succeeded where they had failed. So Exactly. Anyway, John, Pash's determination and tenacity, I mean, just keep on going no matter what. Go through these firefights, just continuing on this mission. Man, that kept us from having a German Nazi nuclear program, more than likely, because even right. if they didn't have it then, it was a very big possibility they could have got it soon. You know? Right. And so I just think, man, this guy was an American hero, and he's just a lesser-known American hero, you know? Right. Mr. Pash. Mr. Pash. Boris Pashkovsky. Colonel Pash. Well, you know, folks, let me just throw in a little what you would call an afterword or a coda here. All right. So Pash actually lived until 1995, dude. He lived to be be 95 years old. I bet you can find some interviews out there, can't you? I looked Maybe. around. There's well, he's got the book called Alsace, so that's probably more than anything in there. But I want to tell you this real quick. He was a colonel, distinguished service medal, and inducted in the Army's Military Intelligence Hall of Fame. After the war, this is interesting. He served as the chief of the Foreign, foreign Liaison Section on General Douglas MacArthur's staff in uh, Tokyo. Oh wow! So MacArthur okay. was the five-star general that was heading up the war in the Pacific Theater. Douglas MacArthur. So he went in there. He was also a representative to the Army representative to the CIA from 48 to 51. Served as Special Forces Planning Officer of the U.S. Forces in Austria. Deputy Assistant Chief of Staff for Intelligence in 53 to 56. And he was also on the staff of the Secretary of Defense for Guided Missiles from 56 until his retirement in 57. 
So he was retired by the late 50s, early 60s, and lived another 35, 40 years. He wrote the book, The Alsace Mission. and Yeah, which I, would, I haven't read that, John, but I wouldn't I mind either. reading that. I think that'd be pretty good. So so there you have it, Boris Fedorovich Pashkovsky. There you go. Oppenheimer who? Oppenheimer what? Oppenheimer, I don't know, man. I don't know about that dude. I mean, I know he's famous right now with the movie. He's and famous everything. with the movie. But this, it is a, but he just kind of seemed like, hey, I, I'm against all this nuclear stuff, but hey, I like the attention too. Give me right. attention. Oh, I don't like nuclear stuff. Give me attention. You know, it's like, eh, I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I could it's be something else. It, it is a story filled with intrigue and, mm-hmm. and passion and death and life and all sorts of moral ambiguity and questions. Right. And of course, I mean, you're talking, like we said earlier, about war and especially like something like the atomic bomb, which is a horrendous thing hopefully we can turn these things around you gotta think Keith, though a guy who knows there's a possibility he's gonna set the atmosphere on fire but yeah, goes, for it going, anyway. goes for it anyway i have a little bit of a god complex there maybe yeah. hey this whole you know really keith if just real quick the this this does kind of reek this whole manhattan project and all of that kind of reeks of another something we talked about not long ago on our skyscrapers we won't get into it but the tower of babel yeah, man, getting a little too big for his britches, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. But it makes for interesting drama and interesting story. And uh, well, I've been John, and I am still Key, and uh, we are still Shat right there under the Flumadiddle heading. So right. reach out to us. We're still still our main email at this time is doyouflumadiddle at gmail dot com. And uh, be on the lookout though. We may have some more social media stuff coming. We may rename and rebrand a little bit. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be great. We're just in the beginning of, of Shatton. We're so. just beginning. This yeah. is the beginning. This is round one. There's going to be a lot of Shatton to go. A lot. So, what do you All think, right. Keith? What's what are we going? We're not going to tell the people, but are you leaning towards science, history, art, or technology for the next one? Oh, I don't know. Do we even have the next one ready? We no. don't have it written down, so I don't know what <laughs> we we're should, we do. fly by the seat. Of we our have pants got a several bit. on our list of possibilities. We do, yeah, but. What's next? The obvious thing that we have shied away from is artificial intelligence. Yeah. And just saying, yeah. not right now. It's just so much about it, and it's because right now is a hot, it's a hot topic. It's so hot. There's just so much about if it. If we can find an angle, if we can find a shat flummadiddle angle to it, we might hit But it I will on. say this, though. We have kind of cut it down to about one a month, but that is so we can try to give you the best quality podcast right. possible. We want to research the stuff good. You know, we want it to be fun, and we want it to – to be as informative exactly. as possible. So and we're I'd rather busy. do one good one than two mediocre exactly. ones. You know? Well, so. we're staying busy, and we both have older kids who are very busy and active. Mm-hmm. we got a lot going on, but who knows? As time allows, we may pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. Peace out. All right. Peace out.